This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, it's a goal! Mike Hennig's foul! Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradley! Colin Doyle strikes again. And a brilliant goal from Harry McCurdy! shouldn't moan it just feels like i don't know is there such a thing as a bad win (laughs) we're winning that's the main thing you know it happens every now and again on the pod we've just summed it up in just a few seconds i'll play the 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 outro music and then we'll carry on we'll we'll talk at length about the most recent victory this time our victims were hartlepool united but a few bits and pieces before we get there um first we're going to keep the conversation going relating to swindon town's decision to insist that Anyone under 16 must be accompanied at the county ground by a responsible adult. We're worried at the moment about this rule and the and the lack of noise that there is. And we really have had quite a few messages in the DMs from fans who don't want to be particularly vocal on social media, who do feel that this is a poor decision by the club. Incidentally, Dan, the Trust have tweeted... Uh, today, Sunday 23rd, saying, we have raised concerns with the club since they updated their under-16 policy. We've been advised that there will be no further changes and discussions will continue at the next advisory board meeting. Kind of contradictory at the end, isn't it? You know, it's it's not for discussion, but we're going to discuss it. There's not going to be any further changes, but we're going to discuss, I guess... What worries me, if worry is the right term, because I don't think it is, 
that maybe surprises me. The lack of noise and the lack of fire in the belly over this from fans, fans groups, what have you. There's an advisory board. They'll discuss and we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks or so. But like I said, genuinely, we have had a few messages um, across the last week saying how concerned they are with this decision. So here we are still talking about it. Yeah, well, I've said my piece on the midweek pod post Bristol Rovers. So, you know, to summarise, I think age 16, too high. We can all hark back to our own experiences um, of, you know, being secondary school age and going to football with your mates and having a great old time. So I think, you know, there has to be some sort of sensible middle ground uh, and we've seen the charters of other clubs where, you know, 13, 14 seems to be that kind of happy middle ground. So certainly I don't want the the issue to be put to bed here and now. Um, I think given that we do have such an active off the field, you know, fan representation through the trust, the supporters club uh, and other sort of media outlets, if you want to call them that, you know, Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge, etc. You know, if we can keep up the noise as a fan base, because I don't think it has been settled satisfactorily. We can go back to the the lack of prior comms with our supporters groups, which feels out of step with the previous 15 or 16 months. Would you agree, Rich? I would. Yeah. Um, so it feels very inflexible, like like the walls have come up a little bit from the club to be saying today, uh, you know, no further engagement on this. We'll talk about it at the advisory board. So it does feel out of step. And it's also worth pointing out that both the trust and the supporters club are absolutely adamant and, you know, no reason to think otherwise that they were not consulted on this matter. Yeah, I think, well, take them at their word of that. Um, and the club haven't said anything other than, you know, the comms they put out. So, yeah, they're not, they're not contesting that fact. Um yeah, I, I should think this is where you now you'll see see the metal of um of those groups to to follow through. Um, ultimately, all the noise I've seen has been agreeing with ourselves. Which um, I know it's harder to see see the ulterior view sometimes online because people are less likely to tweet about it. I suppose if if they think that's fine, life goes on. But um, but yeah, um, I should think whatever the next advisory board is, if that's in two or three weeks, let's see what comes out of that. Um, and uh, and yeah, give the uh, give the supporters group room to um to fulfil their role and and see what comes of it. Yeah, a hundred percent agree with you on that one. If I was fourteen, as I once was as a Swindon fan, yeah, um, being told that. You know, I could no longer go to a game unless I could find a responsible adult who was willing to take me and obviously having to negotiate that. And, you know, people have friends who support the club, who go with their parents, whatever. You know, it's, it's I'm not making it I'm not trying to make it sound like it's as difficult as it can be. But that isn't the case for some fans where some fans do go alone and their parents are not interested and other adults have other commitments. We're not saying that the decision is universally wrong. It's just that age is wrong. Absolutely. So, you know, from JR's uh, research previously, we see that other clubs are happy to set that age at a lower number. 
so it's obviously doable so that you know you can insinuate from that it's not a football league thing that's been decreed um so yeah really if if the club are going to be this inflexible which is you know it's their prerogative you know if you want to upset your paying customers it's up to you business um but i would suggest that's unwise um and it'd be nice to hear that reasoning properly explained you know happy to jump on all sorts of bandwagons to sell season tickets or you know raise man city prices etc etc you know publicity around the town when clem's back but yeah let's 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 hear some let's hear some honesty some transparency if 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 you're going to leave it at 16 then tell us why and perhaps what you're going to do about helping some of those youngers you know be it a sort of I don't know, under 16's enclosure or the family zone, whatever. Let's let's try and talk about solutions if you're not gonna if you're not gonna budge. But this is where our very active and well represented in terms of membership and numbers, supporters groups um will earn their corn. And um there's a lot of good people on those groups. So give them a bit of room and uh let's see what they come back with 100% let's see what happens from there let's move on to far more positive things congratulations to Swindon Town women who are into the first round of the FA Cup having beaten Porton Rovers 10-0 at the county ground this weekend in front of 10 brackets brackets T E N exactly the very same uh, Colston batch Diaz Butcher, Colston, Attenborough, Colston, Attenborough, Colston, Taylor, Vivash. That's how it's done. Uh, 720 town fans to witness a tonking for poor old Poulton. I say poor old, good riddance. <laughs> Up the swing. A brilliant, brilliant way to celebrate a great moment for the women's team. Oh, fantastic. The only shame is that I I couldn't hang on and, and watch it myself, which I, I would have dearly loved to, but my five-year-old, it's a long enough day as it is when you're five. But um, no, I'm really pleased that 720 people did uh, stay in the Arkles or switch from the Don Rogers and the town end to, um, to take in what I imagine for plenty of people was their first women's game. And I hope that won't be their last. I'm sure it won't. Um, they were well entertained. Colston equals goals. I can tell that much uh, from looking at the internet this season. Um, Honor Fraser of this pod uh, came on as a second half uh, substitute. Seemed to do herself proud. So, um, no, just really, really fantastic occasion under the lights, looking spiffing in the green kit. I do like that kit. Um, and yeah, to spank ten in. Um, they've they've rather set the bar now for <laughs> any future occurrences. Yeah, it's it's great, and I guess the thing that I'm looking for the club to do is to make sure that this isn't an FA Cup gimmick or just like one and then everything goes quiet again. It cannot take much time to talk to a coach and a player in the build-up to their games. So Mm -hmm. here's hoping that they they get a reasonable bit of coverage throughout the season now. Yeah, well, I've got to say the build-up this week, um, from a women's perspective, has looked first class. you know, little videos on the website, articles, bits in the programme. We had the Women's FA Cup at the county ground yesterday, which was lovely to look at. And so, yeah, it's it's more about 
what legacy what legacy does this you know sort of threshold event build and i hope um you know more people are going to come back and watch the girls at foundation park or fairford wherever they're playing um i hope we have another occurrence of uh of the patented double header maybe what in the springtime um and yeah let, let let this be the start of something rather than a sort of crowning moment or a, a token gesture absolutely let's go to a sting and then we'll talk hartlepool united goes out wide to gladwin gladwin looks up curls in the left foot across to the back post williams is there on swindon lead gladwin picked out the welshman superbly and he thumped it in from almost underneath the crossbar and swindon have opened up their bottom of the table opponents so here we are then Dan, I, I tried desperately to do the fans' reactions because I always do that as a pre-recording. Not that anyone would possibly notice. No, seamless. And, um, <laughs> and um, I couldn't do it this week because my two-year-old was just being too loud. Couldn't do anything. Your five-year-old was a liability this weekend, and my two-year-old was a liability. Yes, we'll talk we'll more of your five-year-old <laughs> in a few moments. Can't last two football matches and another moment also. So um, we we talk about the game generally and to be honest loads of you contributed all pretty much saying the same thing um which we'll discuss over this episode you know we read out the the team sheet we're used to it by now so Bryn in goal Hutton and Blake Tracy uh, Clayton and Baudry at the back Khan in that defensive midfielder position instead of Reed, Darcy and Gladwin just ahead Wakelin and Williams on the wing and Jeff Cott up front Coming off the bench was Ellis Iandolo, Tyree Shade, and at the very end, Ricky Aguilar. A few messages we got post-game said it's all getting very predictable, but like all things this conversation will lead to is, hey, we won. Yeah, it'd be useful if we're predictably winning every week. (laughs) But yeah, I suppose rather than just repeating these things over and over again, if we try and explain where my head's at, as a town fan and you know we've had plenty of miserable years and last year was tremendous fun but actually one one thing to opine on early doors is actually our home form last year for two-thirds of the season was hopeless whereas we now are actually second in the home table with five wins from seven games only one defeat against Northampton and yet even at 2-0 up yesterday why is the county ground so flat? There's eight and a half thousand in there. Those are the crowds we would dream of through that power era. That would have been a monster crowd. And this is now the norm. And we've got all these season tickets sold. And so why is that? I think style of play definitely comes into it, Rich. Um, I think we generally do have better players than most opposition in this league. And most of the time, we do command 65 or 70% of the possession. But perhaps we are a bit, bit samey. And if you look at the key players we lost from last year to this, and you can probably chuck Louis Reed into the mix as well, given that he's missed the last three or four in the league. You're missing Payne, you're missing McCurdy, you're missing Reed. That's three quality quality players players who really make a huge difference on the pitch pain at that sort of head of midfield 
um, as a creator and a goal scorer. I mean, the current blend in our midfield three of Khan, Gladwin, Darcy. I think you've got Khan, who's a bit of everything, um, but he started yesterday's game as the deepest of the three. You've got Gladwin as the sort of, you know, ageing quarterback, um, maturing like a fine wine, um, spraying balls to either flank on the diagonal, which is just a fantastic, fantastic feature. And then Darcy, who's just a sort of engine room little ferret, like a, he reminds me of Cy Ferry in some ways. But probably what that's lacking as a free is that thrust and the dynamism of a pain or a Williams when he used to play in that free. So I think that that's one issue. And you see from that slight lack of thrust that you miss someone centrally going and joining in with the centre forward, which when we had Simpson up to Christmas and Davison post-Christmas as that focal point striker last year, you know, Payne was never far behind really uh, from central. And so perhaps there's there's an element of, you know, one of those midfielders going and owning that attacking midfield. I'll stop. What what do you think of that, Rich? Yeah, I have no idea why it's so flat or why it was so flat yesterday. And it really was noticeably before the game could be certified dull. <laughs> there was yeah. there was nothing. And you cannot blame that solely on, on the the football on show. I mean, once upon a time we had a fans group that tried to build up an at, an atmosphere and they were essentially bullied out of doing it. it, it it's it's such a shame because they work so hard. I was looking back to one year ago today. Was it Bradford? It was Bradford. So oh, that's a bad one, wasn't it? It was a yeah. bad one, but in terms of our form, we're identical, really. Um, we played one more game this season. but So this season, we're now sitting in fifth after 15 games. Won seven, drawn five, lost three. This time last year, we're sixth, 14 games. Won six, drawn five, lost three. And we're 630 home fans down. 632 to be precise from that game. So that's that's taken off the Bradford um, attendance too. That's quite a lot given that we had a bloody good fun season and we're still very early into this. Yeah, well, I, w- I wouldn't worry too much about those numbers. You did have a bit of post, uh, you know, new owner bounce. <laughs> But I don't go to football for the ownership. I didn't go to football because no, Lee Powers with that, I don't with that came the whole any. the whole buzz of you know, dare I say this phrase, slightly vomiting Jesus, but you know, having your your club back. Um and all the all the fun that came with that. I think this year was always gonna be slightly more, you know, back to the grind, reverting to type. And actually the crowds the crowds are healthy. I I, I I'm not concerned with that, Rich. I mean, more atmosphere, definitely. Uh, tell me, from your vantage point on the right side of the Don Rogers, I'm quite high up on the left side, so I can't look fully in. The The town end from where I was sat looked sparser. Yeah, it's patchy again, but you're telling yeah. me not to worry, so I'm okay. Well, no, 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 but that, that's more of a stand-specific issue, and it obviously links to the, the under-16s issue, which we mentioned earlier. It, uh, it definitely looked sparser to me, and the end was quieter again, so... You know, that, that's your kind of engine room at the county ground. You've mentioned there, uh, not in name, but, you know, the GW Reds who used to do a grand job yep. and used to, for whatever reason, take a lot of stick, a lot of mocking, which, come on, guys, get alive. 
these are someone actually trying to do something at your club. And and why would you start a new one if you're just going to be derided by a bunch of arm folding grumpy bums that that there you go yeah you know why would don't you? don't want to see that it just it makes no sense it's such a shame because let's yeah. be honest a lot of the a lot of the noise was created with the assistance of GW Reds it's, yeah. it's and there's nothing that you can tell me to prove otherwise because i haven't seen much or heard much of an atmosphere since they went no absolutely but yeah so i i guess where have we gone on this talking essay so far we've talked started play which I definitely think is a Personalities as well. I think personalities is there. Personalities. And, you know, I said about Reed, Payne, McCurdy missing. So Payne gave us that first from midfield. Reed is that absolute quality in the middle. And McCurdy was that real random, unique fire starter of a player who... As you know, I wasn't his biggest fan, but it's plain as day that things have simmered since he's gone atmosphere-wise there too. Yeah, and... And it's not to say we haven't got good players. I look all around the pitch. I, I like this team. I just think the blend is slightly off. Um, bit samey-samey. If it wasn't for Romeo Hutton, um, I think, you know, you'd be looking around the pitch saying, well, where's the outlets? So I, I think we use Hutton really well. And I think Hutton is developing really well. But McCurdy gave you that spark. He got people on the edge of their seats. And he would be willing to lose the ball to try something. Whereas I now look along that front three. You've got Jeff Cott, who's like your old school number nine. He's a tapping man or a you know header from six yards man. Williams, who has played almost exclusively this year in the front three, but you know still has those centre midfielder tendencies um, uh, to sort of drift inside and get involved in the midfield play, but. He has, you know, chipped in with, with goals this year. And that's that's a great feature in a side that hasn't scored many goals. And old Jakey Wakey, he's looking like he's just, you know, run out of gas a little bit um, in the last few weeks, perhaps. That's not to say he's playing badly. Um, but this game... Trying too hard, maybe. Yeah, it was definitely a game where it didn't come off for him. And when he was put through one-on-one late in the game... At no stage was I confident he was going to finish that. It was odd. Whereas when it came out to Saidu Khan, the centre midfielder who, you know, not renowned for goals whilst he's been at Swindon so far, he looked far more convincing. Maybe the injury that he's nursing um, yeah, might, might be playing on his mind. But I would have rested to dip him. him out, perhaps. But yeah, it just, even across that front three, they're, they're not sparky player. Williams is probably the most sparky. Wakelin gets results through sort of sheer hard work and pace. Jeff Cott is a sniffer. It's just, yeah, and I've, I've already said about the midfield, bit samey-samey. It's just missing a bit of spark, a bit of thrust, and I think Je that would help. Quoi. Je ne sais quoi, exactly. Yeah, and perhaps we should stop moaning because we're winning. <laughs> what on earth are we moaning for? Stop being so bloody efficient, Swindon. Stop being so efficient. It's it's funny because we always get sniffy at certain managers at other clubs because of the style of football, but I think we're slowly having to adjust our mindsets to the fact that this will probably be our season. And if we're winning, who cares? And, and again, that is the running theme. I want, I want to talk about the first 10 minutes because some of the contributors who sent stuff in talked about how good we were in that opening 20 minutes. I would argue we were good between the 10th and 20th minute, but the first 10, there was this, again, going back to our atmosphere, there was this slight simmer of, 
oh, here we go again. And then <laughs> and then we woke up. I don't think it was in my head either. You know, I, I, the first thing I said when we scored was that came at the perfect time because although no one was standing up shouting, you know, forward or anything like that, you did get this, there was this sense of this is going to be like the Colchester performance again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a fairly good summary. You know, not an awful lot happened in the first eight, nine minutes until the Hartlepool right-sided player cutting on his left foot and had a dig, which Bryn kind of awkwardly parried away, but, you know, did enough. Um, at that point, I was walking down the Don Rogers stairs oh, um, no. with a five-year-old full of Vimto. Oh, I'd, no. I'd made the cardinal sin of not reminding us to go to the toilet before the game started. And I paid the price, folks, because um, <laughs> as we were washing our hands, sure enough, go, yeah! Which, you know, is then that weird flux of, oh, God, I've missed a goal. Shit. And also, oh, good, I'm glad we're one up at home against bottom of the league because that's going to help open things up. So we sort of hurried upstairs as quick as we could. A couple of my friends, like, laughing in our direction. But I was more happy to be one nil up, frankly, because these fixtures are awkward against bottom of the league. They did trip us up last year. And that's another thing we should reflect on and congratulate Scott Lindsay on because in the last three home games against three poor sides we have churned out three wins only conceding one goal so yeah just maybe we all need to be a bit more German we all need to appreciate (laughs) this clinical efficiency but we want flair let's celebrate the first goal because yeah let's talk I I do appreciate that it's been more uh, than hooray the view that I had of this goal was very good and it was in without even seeing where Johnny Williams was. This was in the moment it left Gladwin's boot, a sensational cross. And I just love how just utterly relaxed and laid back he is as he puts that through. And well, Johnny Williams can't believe it's like, he's only scored nine goals for Swindon. Every time I see, seem to see Swindon, it feels like Johnny Williams has scored a goal. Mm-hmm. I think it's because nobody enjoys a goal more than Johnny Williams. I love the guy. I, 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 yeah, love him. Bless him. And I think Swindon love him as well. Cause, he uh, is a blessing player, isn't he? <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, uh, it would be quite a, a flat side, I suppose, without without Johnny, who is a character, undoubtedly. Um yeah, I mean, Gladwin, who had a very good game out on that right wing, working with Hutton, um, just the way he ghosted past the fullback was superb. Almost reminded me slightly of like like peak Migley Ramsey in the way, just sort of, see you later. I'm going to actually do it on my left foot because I'm good enough. I don't even need my right foot. And yeah, what, what a cross in that corridor of uncertainty across the face of goal. And sure enough, you know, could have been Louis Barry last year. It was Johnny Williams this, ghosting in at the back post off the left wing. And uh, yeah, really satisfying goal once I saw it back on uh, a Twitter clip. <laughs> yeah, and when... Oh no, it's such a shame, isn't it? But I feel sorry for your, for your lad more than anything as well, because you know, those are the things you go for, aren't they? But yeah. you were, you were going to get further joy uh, moments later. Yeah, it, it's when when XTC came on, where is in mm-hmm. the post goal 
the feeling was this the you know the, the conversation was well it could be one two three four five today and then we we scored shortly afterwards and the very thought of this being a a, a narrow win was a million miles away I know what Swindon have capable of the old Rick and we, we're, we're about to experience that in this in this conversation but at that moment it just felt that Hartlepool were going to fall apart they were dropping like flies they were going off injured and we were just pushing forward Hutton was getting loads of joy things were great and, and a lovely finish a lovely header from Luke Jeffcott yes if we're going to do comparisons on this pod it was very John McGovern to Billy Painter 0910 Lovely. Sort of textbook. This is the cross we've been screaming out for from Hutton because crosses per capita. He's he's leading the world, <laughs> <laughs> and once again, he doesn't need to beat a man. That's what I love about Hutton. He's got that sort of Beckham esque ability. You know, you don't need to dribble around him. Just slight drip, dip out, and then bang, across goes the ball. Normally with a lovely bit of whip. And yeah, if you know, Lindsay said post match, this is something they've been working on all week. And getting that cross into the the near post, Jeff Cott making the near post run, and the sort of left winger or Wakeling going going to the far post in the middle of the goal. So, yeah, I've got to say, um, it was noticeable on on goal one as well. Actually, how many people we had in the box as that Gladwin cross came in, and similar as Hutton put that cross in for Jeff Cott. So, um, call me old school. I like crosses going in, and I like centre forwards doing little Paul Robinson at Leeds glancing headers. Across to the back post. You shut your mouth. <laughs> what a header that was, Paul Robinson. Oh, shut up. That's one of the best headers I've ever seen. Oh. And it was from a goalkeeper. Um, Stranger Shield, you would have seen Phil Smith scoring <laughs> an absolutely sensational header. Um, alas, though, you got poorly, didn't you, with the injury? But um, it rose like... And I have that shirt. And Wash every time I see it, I, I think, <laughs> fantastic, yeah. yeah. But no, super cross, super header, proper forwards goal. Um, I want... Many, many more of these from Jeff Cott between yeah. now and the end of the year, please. Because he's got it in the locker. He's a sniffer. If he gets deliveries like that, he's gonna feast. Sure, you want to be telling people on a you know on a podcast that anyone's a sniffer. Um <laughs> could get them in a lot of bother. <laughs> uh, it's picked out beautifully by Gladwin. Blake Tracy moves into the centre midfield, forward to Baudry. He can find Gladwin. Hutton is already motoring forward on the right hand side. Gladwin plays him in. Tries to go at the fullback, Ferguson looks up, decent cross, Jeff Cott's head of the last 2-0. Really what happens, and we can talk generally about Hartlepool now. Hartlepool score, and let's be honest, they score by virtue of a Swindon Town error. Baudry loses it, they, they score from it. But they don't really, until the latter stages of the game, they don't really threaten Swindon that much at all. What did Keith Curl do um, at 2-0? Did he, did he set up more defensively because we had a lot of the ball but we weren't getting much joy were we if I was going to say anything about Hartlepool early doors it's probably that they weren't defensive enough um, they didn't have the look of a side who were absolutely terrible like a, a Colchester much of the feedback from the week before um, and that the changes they made were probably semi-enforced um, you had uh, Nyang who was actually heavily involved in their their goal. And um, was it Shelton, the central midfielder? He was replaced by a kind of right midfielder, wasn't he? Tumulti, Tumulti. Um, so yeah, slight change of shape after those changes to a sort of more 
4-5-1, which did make them harder to break down. Swindon had a lot of the ball, but in front of them. Um, hence why it became that sort of middle period of the first half was probably Swindon's wobbliest period of the game. I think the goal did slightly rock us. So when was that? That was 27 minutes, wasn't it? Um, and like I say, came from very little, a sort of channel ball down the line. Hutton had been slightly sucked underneath it. Um, you know, that's where you're looking for your your experienced centre-half, just to volley that out for a throw-in. Everyone gets reset. But yeah, for whatever reason, um, and I doubt he knows himself, um, he tried to do some sort of step over, turn away from the from the players or all over him and um, got caught by Nyang, who is a sort of left centre-half. So credit to him, he was still high up the pitch, still pressing pressing our back four. And um, yeah, once he'd got you know the ball off of Baudry, Baudry did his best to give a penalty away. Nyang stayed on his feet and uh, laid the chance on the plate for Clark Adore. This is where we normally talk about, you know, oh, and then it got all scary and Swindon were pretty sacked. But... Until Silla had a chance in the second half, it was very relaxed, wasn't it? There, there was really no peril in this. Yeah, you're right. I think there was some anxiety in the stands. Um, yes. Because we know our fan base better than most. But actually, yeah, what I've got written down here says that Swindon carried on in kind of, after a brief wobble, carried on in much the same manner, really. You had... Um, a curious nearly goal for Wakelin on the half hour mark where he, he sort of block tackled it towards the back post just wide. Um the big chance really it was right on the cusp of half time. Um a lovely little Matthew Baudry scoop. Yeah, um, lovely, wasn't it? Over the top. Looking at the replay, I think Williams arced his run beautifully to stay on side. And from there, needs a shout to say you've got loads of time, Willow. Because so much time, he, he kind of, in the end, didn't shoot convincingly and he didn't just put it to the back post for Jeff got to tap in either. It was that horrible middle ground, the sort of purgatory ground where just dribbled wide of the back post. But that was a really, really good chance for Willow to, to make it two for himself in the, in the first half. And it would have been a little bit of redemption for Baudry to, to um, set up that goal in such a stylish manner. It was a lovely, lovely ball over the top. I must say for Baudry, he... Second half, especially, he did keep it simpler. He headed and kicked everything along with Clayton. Um, and they did, They were up against a tricky opponent in Josh Umara. And, and I think the, 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 the argument that some of the more grass half-empty fans will be saying is we will be punished for those errors eventually. We, we have got away with it from time to time yeah. this season. And home to Newport, back past to Bryn, which was short. Uh, Bryn made a very good save at the the striker's feet um, last week against Colchester. Sort of Baudry missed tackle on Nuble out on the left touch line, which allowed Nuble in around the back. He's wildly blasted over. That was probably Colchester's best and only chance um, of what I saw on the, the extended highlights. So yeah, I mean, it is slightly looking like there's a clang or a match, and anyone with eyes can't argue with that. But I think we really need Frenchie and we need him to keep it simple because with McDonald injured and the sort of 
bad audition in the week against Bristol Rovers from Brennan and Harry's. Um, we should mention Harrison Minton's bagged himself uh, another loan till January at Chippenham, which I think will be a good move. I know it's still Conference South, but you know, just getting out and playing, and uh, that that yeah, that big FA Cup game on the horizon as well. I hope Swindon let him play uh, against Lincoln, test his metal against them. But uh, yeah, w- long and short of it, we need Baudry. Does he um, play on Tuesday? Yes, I I think I think I think you deal with the game in front of you, and you play Baudry. I think if that means playing Brennan at Mansfield, so be it. But that would certainly be quite a large dent in my support and confidence if we're going into a game with uh, Brennan next to Clayton. I think. I think the sooner McDonald's back, the better, because um, yeah, we, this is sort of in Baudry's most likely is, is last season. You know, he he now has quite a pivotal role uh, between now and Christmas. Um, one last word on Baudry, and we will return to the scoop because it was described by Swindon Town at the time on social media as unreal. Now, if I did a scoop in the 90s as a teenager in a game, I would be mocked relentlessly <laughs> for the rest of the season for it. So are you pro or against the scoop? I'm tremendously, obviously, pro. Hey, scoop away, guys. Yeah, some some little... Scoop like your heart depends Some on little it. person from Argentina does it a couple of times and it's world class. <laughs> I do it against George Ward or... King down and I'm mocked for it. It's not fair. I'm not having it. And they were successfully completed passes, I might add. <laughs> um, well, the, was the Optiman sat on the side of the school pitch, was he? Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but no, pro scoop. Let's not turn this into a therapy session about my schooling. But yeah, I would. I was. I was absolutely mocked for doing the occasional scoop successfully. Officials, the, the official got into the feedback, both positive and negative. Throughout this game, there were penalty calls. Scott Lindsay in the post-match referenced them. I will say um, not a penalty, penalty, not a penalty. So let me get this in the right order. And so stoppage time on Williams, not a penalty. Correct. He does get a small hand in the back, but he's looking for it. And unfortunately, Johnny, your reputation does precede you, even in the fourth tier. Um... The second shout that would be that's Khan on Khan. So yeah, on this one because friends who I trust and like who <laughs> sit in the same part of the stand as me had a different view. So that made me doubt myself. But gut instinct on one view, watching it live, penalty all day long. Khan gets a toe to the ball first, and matey boy comes rushing in. So to see the referee give a corner was the very worst kind of refereeing compromise, which you often see with referees. It's like, oh, is it a penalty? I better give a corner. Because, frankly, it's a goal kick or it's a penalty. Do, do you it's believe that there was dialogue after that? You know, there was a little pause. There was reckon, a little touch of the ear, wasn't there? A little touch um, of the ear. Do you reckon that was just like, if I just do this for a few seconds, maybe <laughs> they'll go away? Because four people surrounded the referee one in that one. When it happened, I thought that's a penalty. And I thought he was going to give it eventually. He was going to just delay it. Again, home team against bottom of the league at our home end. I think more of them get given than not. Um, I think Khan's, 
you know, Khan's speed, he got to the ball before the uh, defender for me. But other people who I like and respect disagreed on their their gut instinct. So oh, perhaps there is an element of doubt which the referee. I think upon seeing it again, yeah, I, I haven't seen it since, and I'm I'm always prone to change my mind after about seventy. But I, go with I your think gut. it was go with your one thing trust I did trust my instincts on was the final penalty call in injury time or near damn it. And that was a uh, LSI Andalo in in a in a yellow card he's received several times in the last year or so. Um, charging in, getting close to the byline, down he goes, no penalty, yellow card, LSI Andalo. It's something that's happened. You know, we, we, we say Williams has a reputation for it. I wonder if LSI Andalo does too. Yes. Um, from my vantage point, it, it was not a penalty. Um, whether it's full-on dive or you could file it under, was looking for it, I suppose, doesn't make a difference. Townend um, didn't go crazy yeah, the, I, after the... No. Uh, luckily, it didn't make a, a huge difference to the game. But, you know, whilst we're on Andalo, I, I thought, whilst... At the time, I wasn't wonderfully chuffed with him coming on at left wing. You know, he did actually, was very, very involved in the game. Um, he's great on the end of those diagonals. He's fantastic in the air, as we know. And um, yeah, he helped us waste quite a lot of time in that sort of Dom Rogers and Town End corner. Um, another day, he might get that penalty, but no. No pulling the wool over the referee's eyes this time. So I suppose really... The ref's got two out of three, right? It didn't affect the game. So luckily we don't have to go all in on that. But um, yeah, for me, the calm one, I'm I'm 80, 90% there. I think it was. Is there anything else from this game that we need to discuss? Uh, well, you mentioned earlier Hartlepool's bright moment of the second half. And Sol Brin, like Peter Schmeichel in the 90s, will get credit for keeping his concentration well against lowly opposition. Um, he saved from Silla very well. Aaron, well, like flap of a foot from Clayton to try and clear it, which put it into Silla's path. And, and luckily that didn't cost us. You know, Brittany is very good. Um, we saw some stats in the week. Um, number one ranked goalkeeper in the 72 uh, on XG. So for the rookies at home, um, Based on all of the shots uh, he's faced this season and where they're on uh, and where they were from, uh, he should have conceded 18 goals, according to the Statsmen. He's conceded 13. So that plus five, the difference between the two numbers, makes him the number one ranked goalkeeper in the 72. And Middlesbrough's current goalkeeper, Zach Steffen, is in the bottom 10. Don't worry. But we're not going to tell Middlesbrough about that, right? Keep it down, guys. Keep it down. And and given he's got no no reserve who we're willing to play, you know, we need Brinny to stay fit, absolutely. Not quite off radar, but Blake Tracy gets a lot of praise. Definitely got a few Man of the Match nominations this week. I think his potential recall is far more likely um, with the change of manager at Burton. But until then... He's been terrifically useful after that slow start, hasn't he? Yeah, I really like Blake Tracy. I, I was having this chat with Terry, um, who was sat up with us on Saturday. I think in the back two thirds of the pitch, he's, you know, one of the best left backs we've had for a long while. Um, 
you know, if if you wanted someone to defend for your life of our current left back roster, he's the man. But the only place I get a little bit frustrated with him, and we saw a little bit of this in the uh, in the second half, um, four or five times, Blake Tracy in advanced positions against their fullback one on one, and I just think if he was a slightly better player in an attacking sense, Swindon wouldn't quite be so lopsided uh, and reliant on Hutton um, down the right. I think Iandolo, as a counter-example, not as secure in the back two-thirds of the pitch as Blake Tracy, but much more dynamic, much more thrust, um, sort of getting to the byline, getting past the full-back, a bit like Hutton on the other side. So, you know, it's weights and balances. Um, You want different flavours in the squad, I think. Where Hutton has such an advanced and progressive role at right back, basically playing as a right winger the whole time, you probably don't want Blake Tracy being a, a flying left back anyway. But um, no, on the whole, given the pen, let's sign him now because um, he, he's been very good bit of business by accident, really. Because uh, I think the intention was for Divine and Iandolo to be a couple of left backs, and two injuries later. We bling in uh, Blake Tracy, and it's quite often those loanies by accident, which end up being very good players. Like you know, Wes Fodringham was roped in by Di Canio um, in reaction to Matty Lanzano being hopeless um, against Hereford in a home game. God, remember that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was a, a happy, happy accident. In terms of other things, which from the game, a um, couple of very good chances late on. We've spoken about Wakelin's sort of, you know, lack of confidence as he went through. At no stage was I convinced he was actually going to score that. And when it came back out the Khan, Khan made a much better fist of it. But yeah, I want to talk about diagonals because I feel like this is a very coached, deliberate element of how we play and probably much more emphasis on the diagonal balls from your sort of quarterback, Ben Gladwin. Um, to your high up fullbacks or sort of left winger, so um, yeah, Hutton is key to that. Um, Williams not as good in the air on, on the other side, but you know, as long as he's in space and the ball's good, it's it's still on. So yeah, just little things like that. You can see Lindsay is putting his stamp on the team. It is a difference from last year, uh, and probably. It's hard to think that having Reedy at the base of that midfield wouldn't help with that, frankly. Um, what do you think? What's going on with Reedy, Rich? What's going on with Reed? Yeah, it's... yeah, it's it's, fr- it's frustrating me because I want it resolved. I want Reed back I think, in. The fold. I think a bit of clarity yeah. wouldn't go amiss. It's it's not it's not helped yeah. by the fact that. We're seeing tweets by Reed's dad, who who's putting out cryptic messages. That never ends well, does it? Um, he tweeted on Saturday night, "Not sure how much longer I can hold my tongue." Disgraceful. Now that could be about his golf swing. Uh, it could be about anything, <laughs> right? But it, it happens. Strictly come dancing is my money. It could be about strictly come dancing, but it doesn't help the situation. And that message, that tweet was deleted shortly afterwards and the telling delete exactly and then maybe he just had some messages going your golf swings fine <laughs> and reed was fine in the 90 minutes that he played against bristol rovers didn't look in in discomfort or anything like that 
I mean, as long as we're winning, no one's really going to care. And we're going to get that icky narrative of, well, I never really rated him anyway, which inevitably happens with football fans of all teams where as long as we're winning, people will, you know, disregard the the yeah. the previous that these players had. If things have gone... The only surprise to me, Rich, is that we didn't sponsor his kit. <laughs> yeah, because then he'd be dust in the wind. I tried, but I tried to get sponsorship, but the club <laughs> never got back to me. Because so... we finished off Granty, didn't we? finished we? off Granty, we finished off Cooper, and, and you know, Louis <laughs> Barry's not exactly kicked on this season no. either. So maybe that's why the club didn't reply to my uh, to my inquiry, yeah, probably, probably for the um, best. Yeah. My our car <laughs> exhaust has since fallen off, so sorry, Swindon, but that dream's over uh, for this year. No, it, the read thing is we just uh, just got to sit and wait and see what what happens. But my, I just even though there's it's not happened that much, I just really hate it when very popular players their their final months turn this way. It happened to Grant. You know, it's happened to a couple of players recently where the ending, it's not a clean break. Um, and I'm not saying that Reed is going, but if he's if he's in League Two, not getting off the bench, and from what some fans are telling me, barely warming up. And even when I heard the phrase, he's a smashing lad, or whatever it was, he's a top, top pro. Mm. I just think, oh, why do you need to tell me that? I know this. You know, it's something, something's happened, something's happening. We just got to make sure that we don't miss him because at the moment we're winning. I know we we were we we lost against Stevenage, but these next two games they're so big. If if we lose and he's not playing, fans will immediately say, "Well, if you're not going to pick your best players, you're not going to win games." But if we continue getting points, people aren't going to give a damn. Exactly. Um, so let's hope we don't start losing and this becomes a much louder. Edit. And if he's injured, um, just say it. Just say. Like, well, it. Just yeah. say it. Well, if he's been ill, he's been ill. Just like just it. just come out and tell yeah. us. Other things I want to talk about, again, looking for things, patterns of play, things that look coached, so things we can give Lindsay credit for. I think in the last three or four occasions I've seen Jeff Cott, A, I think he looks fitter. I think he looks stronger. Um, he's getting deeper into the game and he's still in sort of pressing and harrying mode, which in those early appearances, you know, didn't quite seem to have the, the engine for that. But I'm also liking... Um, how he's coming deep for the ball. Because, you know, against most League Two centre-half pairs, Jeff Cott's not going to compete in the air, let's be fair. Um, he's going to get buffeted around. So him coming deep for the ball to feet and redistributing and then sort of spinning around, heading back to the box, that, that's, been a, that's been a good feature lately. And actually something Terry, to my right, pointed out, and sort of you can see it when you watch it back, when Jeff Cott does come deep for the ball, Wakeling comes off that right wing and fills the sort of pocket between the two set and a half where Jeff Cott's just vacated. So I think that's the kind of way of getting Jeff Cott more involved in the game, but it also gets Wakeling off the wing and into those central positions. And in turn, the spaces that Wakeling vacates, you know, you've got a very willing. <laughs> person to fill those spaces which is Hutton who's almost always in that right wing so you know as much as I've said earlier you know I want flair I want a bit of avavoom I can still look around the pitch I see good players I see we're doing good things I just yeah I just hope it's gonna come to the boil as the season goes on and maybe 
maybe January is the time when we're going to just put a couple of sparkles on top of the tree. Yeah, it is weird that we are we do talk this way when we are... Um, but we are fifth. We're fifth on merit. We deserve to be there. And yet we find ourselves talking like this. And I honestly don't think it's just that we're grass half empty and what have you. I think there are conversations to be had and but we're in exactly the same situation as we were last year and I don't think this time last year people were terribly convinced but it did take a sensational run of form at the end to get us over the line into the playoffs Mm. so I think perhaps the difference between now and last season last year at this stage 15 games in 26 points was it was it exactly the same there's one game difference, so I think okay. next, last year, if they if if Swindon Town last year won their game in hand, um, then it would be identical. And guess what? We did. Okay, which was right. Oldham, the final okay. game so, Oldham, so yeah, us being in that position last year felt like an overachievement, and it's part of the you know sort of roller coaster. Whereas this year, coming into it with much higher expectations, this slightly feels like we're stumbling along about where we we should be like we wouldn't want to be much lower than this is that fair so it feels slightly more of a you know we're achieving what we should be upwards we're meandering i think we're just sort of (laughs) okay meandering. we're fifth and i just it feels like we're talking like we're 12 13th and i'm just as guilty (laughs) about that and and some of me does think that we will drop again, and it will go up and down across the season. Like I've like I've been saying, you know, win one, we rock up, we go up, lose maybe or drop points against Bradford, we'll fall down, repeat rinse. Well, I think the counterpoint, I think given that seasons are long, and there is a January transfer window in January, you know, for me, so long as we're in touch with the playoffs, come January, I think we'll be well positioned actually. Yeah, going into 2023 because for the reasons stated, you know, there was a lot of turnover in the summer. We've lost some real razzle dazzle players. It's a bit more of a stodgy squad, but we're churning out results. Um, I think this week coming is going to be much like Northampton and Stevenage was a sort of benchmarking exercise and we came up short. Well, this week we're off up north. And you've got Bradford away on a Tuesday night and Mansfield away on Saturday. I should think that will be a good chance to look again at has this side you know, got that bit of um, tough underbelly. Uh, and perhaps, you know, whilst it might not be glam, you know, three points from the next two or two points from the next two, I think would represent would represent some progress. But yeah, just be in touch by January. I think you've now got an ownership and a club which, you know, is clearly making money because it's repaying debts. Um, I, I think you'd be silly then not to strengthen in January, and um, we could be in for a, an exciting second half of the season. I hope so. I think where where would you if I if I if I give you two spots in the squad you could strengthen as a priority in January? I'm not saying we're going to sign Josh Umara, the uh, Hartlepool centre forward. But um, you know, I have seen his name popping up on score sheets. He's got seven goals. He's formerly of Wealdstone, where I think he, he notched twenty goals last year. He's got a, a decent academy background coming out of 
Charlton. He's in his mid-20s. So would that kind of signing fit the profile to give us, and this is the key bit, something different to what we've already got up front? JR's made the point a few times recently, subs at this club this year have I've tended to be like for like, like for like. And actually, I do feel like we're missing a Josh Davison type. I'm not saying Josh Davison, although I liked him. But just someone to be the bit of difference at the top. And what I saw of Umra on Saturday, giving Portree and Clayton a really hard time, and Hartlepool struggling at the bottom of the league, that might represent decent business on a, a Swindon Town perspective to to give us that bit of, uh, bit of difference up top. Yeah, I don't, I don't think many fans will agree bringing in someone from Hartlepool to bring the Vavavoom will instantly bring that... Not necessarily of... Vavavoom. <laughs> this is more about blend. Yeah, OK. This is about that, you know, you just... At some point, we're going to need a focal point. You can't, you can't play your way around every side. And dare I say, the next two away games, you may appreciate a bit of beef. And that's not to say you can't play football. It just means you've got a slightly bigger human being at the head of the pitch. But anyway, that's only just on one look of him. I thought he put himself about well. And it was actually, you know, probably got pretty short shrift from the ref, actually. But there we go. Well, you know, both Bradford and Mansfield dropped points this weekend, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so Bradford drew with Grimsby and Mansfield lost their first game for ages. Um, over the weekend too so they shouldn't be feared and we shouldn't go in there expecting negative results because you never know but we have overran crazily as we always do Dan don't we we always like to have a chat so we'll we'll end on man of the match there were significant nods for Ben Gladwin a very close second there were a few nods for Blake Tracy but Romeo Hutton um, gets man of the match again from the listeners plenty of love for him Probably magnified by their concerns about him from the start of the season. Lovely. Who gets the pods, man of the match? Uh, boring, boring, Dan. Uh, I, I'm also going Romeo Hutton. Um, you can't really give it to anyone else on uh, on Saturday's performance. I thought he was magnificent, even. Not just the quality of his crossing, where we've said he doesn't necessarily need to beat a man. What we also saw two or three flashes of during this match was... You know, he can also beat a man. <laughs> so um, there's lovely, I'm not sure if it was a, a full nutmeg or not, but uh, second half, Arkell's side sort of just tapped it through the man and, and ran round him. It was a superb Gladwin diagonal to Hutton, which he did the first time volley cross, which always looks brilliant. That's like peak football. And Jeff Cott sort of peeled off at the back post and hit a left-footed volley over. So, yeah, in many ways, he has been a fantastic piece of recruitment from Barrow. Um, I'd never heard of him, ashamedly, even though he played against us in April. <laughs> it wasn't long, long ago um, at all. But no, um, really, really good. The, the rate he's developing, and perhaps some of that is due to the fact he's got Marcel Lavinier, you know, Tuesday night's man of the match at Bristol Rovers, chomping at his heels. So. Competition is healthy, as they say. Um, I hope Lavinia is not injured. He wasn't in the 18 again. Um, but I mean, that is riches at right back. 
absolute riches. Well, here's hoping there's no problems there too. But how can you break in? But not on the bench either. But we don't want to end on a on a on a low. We've got we've got pressers to talk about. People like Lavinia not playing. We're glass half full. Oh, definitely glass half yeah. full. I think you'd you'd rather be in this position of, you know, this side feels like there's a a lot more it can do. You know, we're, we're tootling along at sixty mile an hour, getting the wins, but we all know that engine can go faster. Is that a bad analogy? Sorry to end on such nah, a terrible that's thing. All right. let's, let's, let's rev and uh, take on <laughs> take on Bradford and not mention that the patron's doing a uh, a watch along. Which oh no, <laughs> God, don't wear the black cap, oh, please. No, no. Um, yeah, we're fifth. We're winning. It's okay. It's a nice problem to have. Dan, thank you very much. Thanks, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Stop being so bloody efficient, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.